Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, the top attribute in successful people is empathy. We have three mantras. Number one, be happy. Number two, be awesome. And number three, and arguably the most important, help others with one and two. In my life, working with entrepreneurs and growing various companies, I have found there is one skill that every successful leader and manager must have to succeed. To discuss that one skill is Mary Tucker, founder of UPIC Health. Mary, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. You've been around for a while doing startups. What is the most important <laughs> thing that an entrepreneur can have? Empathy. As you state, it is the number one driver of our cultural DNA at UPIC Health. We have uh, three mantras. Number one, be happy. Number two, be awesome. And number three, and arguably the most important, help others with one and two. Ostensibly, what we're asking of ourselves and everybody in the organization is take responsibility for your emotions, which requires a certain level of emotional intelligence. Two, be the best at all times and define for yourself through empathy what best means. And then three, being in service to others. When people talk about empathy, folks are often confused. Empathy isn't just being kind to other people, no, is it? No, it's actually, um, again, going back to the notion of self-awareness and emotional intelligence. You know, we throw emotional intelligence out. I think Harvard, Harvard Business Review several years ago came out and said how important this is. And now we're all saying, oh, what are the behaviors that demonstrate emotional intelligence? Rather than digging deep, inside. We're, we're doing some things I'll talk about in a second on, to help our employees get there, but digging deep inside and understanding what our limitations are and being honest about them and not being afraid to be honest about them, recognizing what our needs and motivations are as individuals, recognizing that they may at times be at odds with others, and that's where conflict is. And then in the uh, learning skills to resolve conflict, all of that is within empathy, um, within the, the under the umbrella of empathy, I guess, and how we're working and how we engage with each other, how we service our clients, how we service their patients and the patients that we serve directly. All of it is, is around the idea that we are who we serve. We're human beings. We're living, breathing, feeling human beings who recognize when something in our lives isn't going in a way that is consistent with what our needs are. And if we can recognize that phenomenon in our work every single day, then we'll be likely to make different choices and different decisions that could then be in better service to the people that we're, we're serving. So, so far you talk about empathy as, as an organizational trait that yeah. I agree with you. I I think that every successful organization in the long term has to have acknowledgement of those that are follow, the, yeah. those that follow leaders. But I also see empathy in a different place. And often it's people that you wouldn't think of as empathetic. So my best example is Steve Jobs and Apple Computer. I think that he had a very, very hard time working with people. He was a very hard manager in a lot of ways, unempathetic as a leader but incredibly empathetic about what customers wanted. When you think about how he combined design with function and delighted people, yeah. do you think that the uh, empathy, organizational empathy, is also a customer acquisition, a customer service strategy? I, I absolutely do. I think I'd mentioned to you that my entire company, UPIC Health, is based on um, empathy as an innovation driver. We have uh, a series of examples. I'll try to be as brief as possible. But the Affordable Care Act 
2010. Getting underneath, I was working for a large uh, healthcare provider, national uh, provider of, of women's health services. Getting underneath the operational complexities of the Affordable Care Act, the underpinning of that legislation is empathy. I don't think anybody really has taken the time to necessarily understand that. When we're talking about value-based reimbursements, there, the, the driver of that is doctors, you need to make patients well, mm-hmm. and you're going to be reimbursed for based on how well you do that. Okay, when a patient comes in and needs care, it isn't just about bedside manner. It's about when they leave, do they have the right prescription? Are they safe? Do they have the right processes to help them uh, maintain their health? And do they, uh, in the interest of, say, behavioral health issues, has there been enough attention paid to the myriad challenges that they have in order to be well? So what's fascinating to me about this is that the way that many people portray empathy and talk about it, if you're a dictatorial leader or you're somebody who ultimately want to get things done that are ultimately not in the best interest of those that you serve, you hate empathy. You deny empathy because if you acknowledge that people have needs, you can't lead them. I'm not sure that 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 a a dictatorial leader or a tyrant necessarily hates empathy. They have just potentially misunderstood it. They may be interpreting their actions as the most empathic. That's interesting. I right? hadn't thought about that. Well, so they, if they, so you look at um, Kim Kim Jong Un. I would assert that if if someone was to ask him, "What's your motivation?" It would be to keep North Koreans safe and healthy. Now we we may on the outside look and say, "You're crazy. You're killing them, and and you're killing the rest of us in the process." So where do we find that? Where do we find that commonality? So where where do you find it? As you have an opportunity now to speak to other business founders and, and leaders here yeah. in, in the DC region and more broadly, yeah. how did you discover this? And what would be your advice for best practices to build an empathetic organization? Well, so so we're doing a couple things. We've engaged uh, a, a guy named Guillaume Gatro. Um, Guillaume was uh, an entrepreneur. Um, he was in the gig economy, started at um, Totsi for uh, kids' clothing online. And um, he went on a whole uh, journey and sort of a spiritual awakening. And we're developing a program that we'll be launching in 2018. Um, there, there are two aspects that we're, that we're working on with him. And the first one is internal, where uh, we recognize we're in a complex world. And we recognize our employees are trying to navigate their young lives in a really complex world. These are problems that, I mean, frankly, Jonathan, when I was a kid, I didn't have to deal with some of these realities that kids are having to deal with today. The demographic that works for UPIC is recent college graduates are still in college. So we're building a program with Guillaume to give a process and voice uh, and structure around uh, their challenges, their issues. You're empowering Um, people, basically. Well, empowering, but also creating an operational model within the organization that allows for time for this. So I've got to let you go, but do you think that it takes bravery for a leader to embrace empathy? I will say probably, yes. But it's only because it puts them in a position of vulnerability that most leaders don't like to acknowledge that they're in. Which if as if as a group of empathic leaders, we say, hey, you have license to be afraid right now. You're in a safe space, right? You're not going to undermine your leadership by showing you're a little nervous. I think if if leaders could find a way to express that and find that authenticity in how they work, 
They may get some tough feedback, but they'll realize they'll be better leaders and they'll have better, stronger organizations as a result. Mary Tucker, thanks for joining us here on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to What's Working in Washington. A special thanks to our sponsor, Eagle Bank. How do you get to be number one in the D.C. area? Eagle Bank did it by putting relationships first. They're flexible, involved, responsive, strong, and trusted. Eagle Bank's goal is your success. Our executive producer is Tracy Madigan. Our online writer is Barbara Ulrich. Music provided by two D.C. region bands, Two Car Living Room, and The Sunbathers. And let us know who you think we should be talking to on the show. Tweet us at at What's Working DC. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for listening.